Hello, everybody. This is Calling All Halos. I am Sam Blum, the host of the podcast, and I'm joined with my co-host here, Connor Grossman. Connor, hello. Halo. Hey, hello, Sam. How we doing? Man, it is a good time to be a Halos fan. They are red hot, coming off of a really good road trip. They went five and two against the Rangers and the Royals. Probably should have been six and one, but you know, we won't talk about Saturday. Other than <laughs> other than to say, yikes, but. Uh, other than that, really, really great road trip for this team. I think they got themselves back in the mix. I mean, the last time we podcasted uh, two weeks ago, and it feels like it's kind of bipolar at times. Like <laughs> Two weeks before that, we were talking about how they just swept the Red Sox. Then two weeks ago, we were talking about kind of a, a meltdown series against the Astros. And ever since then, it's been great. It's been smooth sailing. Uh, they've won 11 of 14, are, I believe, alone in second place, or second wild card, and only four and a half back of the Rangers now for first place in the AOS. So this is where you want to be with about 34 games left before the trade deadline. Um, right. And for anyone who's listening, just know this is as good as it's going to be for the next two weeks until our next pod. <laughs> so just, you know, savor this high. Know that, uh, you know, this is the Halos moment until it's not. No, come on, Connor. Everyone's going to be mad at you for saying that. <laughs> no, I know. But I was going to say, actually, between uh, today's game where we had Otani and Trout uh, hit a home run and a win over the Royals, and, you know, the game yesterday where they blew the big lead to the Royals, did, was that like maybe the quickest uh, reverse? Could we call it a reverse tungsten arm, O'Doyle? You know, I think it's interesting that I, I've kind of refrained from bringing up the tungsten arm this year because in a lot of ways it has been not a tungsten arm season. Last season, we look at, there were so many games where it was like, man, I mean, and obviously Mike Trout had 40 home runs last year. Shohei, I thought, had an MVP season. Obviously, he didn't win it, but certainly could have. And the team finished 73 and 89. This year, I think, look at what Mike Trout's done. He's had, he's really struggled this year, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, he's hitting about 250 and he's finally getting out of what was a really elongated slump. Uh, we'll see how long kind of he can kind of uh, ramp up and maybe get back to the Mike Trout that we're used to seeing. Uh, but in a lot of ways, this is kind of a team that is, you know, performing when he's not necessarily performing. And, and obviously, Oshoi Otani's having a great year, but they're winning when he performs really well. So it's I haven't seen many Tungstens. Obviously, maybe Saturday's game could be an example. You know, Mike Trout, it's a go-ahead single in the ninth. Shohei Otani hits his like, 23rd homer at the time. He's got 24 now, and they lose. So that, that sometimes, that was kind of a Tungsten. But there have been you know only a few, few of those this year, and I don't think that the overall aura of the season represents that meme that I know so many Angels fans absolutely mm. detest because it kind of gets you know leveraged against them by people that just want to you know get interactions on twitter that's not me i do think it's a relevant talking point last season it hasn't been as much this year yeah no i agree and just as someone you know outside the angels orbit it just it just as a baseball fan like it never gets old looking at a box score or watching a sports center highlight and just seeing the little box of like you know otani two for three home run and then right under that trout you know three for four home run like it's just cool. You just kind of feel like you're seeing history every time those two hit a home run. And it's just, you know, yeah, you're right. Last year was kind of a footnote that the fact that they did that so many times and the Angels still lost. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It really hasn't been the case this year. It's been the anti-Tungsten season so far. Yeah, and I think actually like, the Angels are like undefeated in days off for Mike Trout. I'm not 100% sure if that's still the case, but they were like at least 5-0 at one point. So I find that interesting. Not to say that, you know, they're better without Mike. I just think that, you know, there's a bit, it's a more well-rounded team uh in general and um you know i bet that like without knowing mike i feel like that's something that uh 
we'll probably get him. You know, I feel like he would feel good about that, knowing the team can win without him, because I feel like for so long, the Angels have been Mike Trout and only Mike Trout, and I think it's kind of a testament to the guys around him that, uh, you know, they can yeah, win without him, just even wants, if it's not often. Just desperate for wins. Like, just <laughs> whether he plays or is not playing, I mean, come on, this guy just, he's got, you got to get him to the playoffs, guys. Come on. He needs to play in the playoffs. He needs to, you know, he needs to win a game in the playoffs. It's It's been way too long. Uh, I think everyone acknowledges that. And they're they're finally, you know, I think in that position where, okay, this is this is not a fluke, right? Like this is a team that we are sitting here now with less than 90 games to play. They're in a playoff position. They're ahead of the Astros. Like, you know, this is not a hot streak in April. Like this is, this is some sustained success. I think this is kind of the highest high for the Angels maybe in, you know, Maybe since like 2014 or 2015, and and you know they're just gonna ride it as long as they can and see where it takes them. Because uh, it's you think this is a higher high than however the team was feeling before the massive losing streak last year. I just think it was so early in the season. Uh, you know, you're 27 and 17, and at my, the point I'm making is that it's just like you're at a legitimate point of the season where like, hey, if I were to bring up where they are in the standings, it doesn't feel like. We're looking at the standings already. Like, no, this is you know, you're at a point where this is this is relevant. Like, you know, the games feel like they matter. Like, I can't really remember a time on the beat in my now two years, almost exactly two full years, where it felt like games really mattered. Like, like about like for playoff positioning and for you know winning the division and, and things like that. And you know, every game now is starting to feel like that. Um, and it's it's more fun to cover that, to be honest with you. Uh, it's also kind of you know, it, it's it. It just is, uh, it's interesting. I mean, two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought this because I thought the way they played against the Astros was, you know, it was not really that competitive. And, and you know, it's, it just it goes to show maybe you shouldn't get too high and too low. And obviously, we're probably pretty, maybe a little too high right now on the way they're playing. But um, listen, 41 and 33 is, is, that's sustained. You know, you've, you've, you've earned that. I've always, you know, as, as I criticized Perry last year for saying that he felt like the team was better than their record was, I don't believe that to be. A legitimate argument to make I, I can't really say that I think they're worse than their record and I, I don't I mean they are what their record is and they're 41 and 33 and they're in second place in the wild card standings with a chance to win the division you know with about 90 games to play so there's there's some legitimate reasons to be happy right now if I were to ask you before the season how are the angels going to win baseball games in 2023 would that answer be any different than it is right now as yeah. in are they winning games much differently in this moment than you anticipated they would before the season? Well, Saturday aside, that bullpen meltdown was not good. But in general, it feels like this that's the strongest part of this team. I mean, and we were talking, I mean, it's not even what before the season. I mean, we were talking at the end of April, early in mid-May, about this bullpen and how it was, you know, I believe we can go find in our archives. Um, like, why is this bullpen such a disaster or something like that? And and they basically replaced everybody in the bullpen with, like, guys in double-A and... Now the bullpen is like untouchable because all these guys are just pumping 95 and up and it's working, you know, it's working. Uh, Carlos Estevez is like how key a reliable bullpen is to the success of a major league team. It's success of a major league team, both in the regular season and in the postseason. You need that. And and it, and it always kind of felt like, man, you know, even if this team can, you know, string together some wins, that bullpen is just going to, it's just going to kill them. It's just going to be the end of them at some point. And, and to Perry's credit, I will say that he basically said, if we're going to go down, we're going to go on swinging. So let's call up Sam Bachman. Let's call up Ben Joyce. Let's call up Jose Soriano. Let's call up, you know, Colton Ingram obviously didn't have a good debut, but, you know, they're they're taking these swings. I don't think that, I mean, they're lucky that they basically hit on all of them at this point. 
Um, mm. You know, obviously Ben Joyce is hurt. Um, Soriano had a, had a rough outing his last time out. I think that the, the only risk that I would say is that you're dealing with guys that maybe haven't been in the bullpen and maybe haven't pitched full major league seasons or even minor league seasons. And so what does that mean? You know, Soriano's got a huge injury history. Um, Sam Bachman, mm-hmm. injury history. You know, uh, velocity issue history. Ben Joyce really never had any sort of sustained innings over the course of his career. So is this going to be the kind of thing that can sustain itself over the course of the season? That's the biggest question for me right now in terms of this team. You know, and, and the other one is the infield, obviously. You know, you're dealt with Zach Neto possibly being out for an extended period of time. Obviously, he's on the IL now. Uh, I mean, Gio Urshela, I mean, how many people are going to come back from a, you know, a, a fractured pelvis in, in you know, might, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long that'll be. It certainly seems like that's going to be most, if not all, of the rest of the regular season. So hmm. it's, uh, that's, that's, you know, you've lost, and then you have Anthony Rendon who's also out right now with a hand after we kind of get a hit on the hand and he's supposed to come back on Tuesday, but um it's uh you you're, you're kind of you've lost some of the insurance, you know, all that depth that we talked about, that's getting tested right now because a lot of the guys who are playing on the infield are the guys that they had up last year when the team mm-hmm. really wasn't very good. Right. And it sounds like that's gonna lead to a situation where Perry Manassian is about to get tested in, you know, what his appetite is to roll with the guys that are currently on the roster or what appetite he has to uh, you know, expend some minor league talent to see who they can you know, bring in from another team. They should, which they should do. I mean, I don't think I have a hard time believing that they're going to get to the trade deadline in in contention and and not, you know, part ways with uh, prospects, because it's it's, you know, how many chances have it? Do you get like this? It's it's not often. Yeah, it's not and often. we've talked about this before on the pod, but like, you know, this is the exact kind of position you want. If I'm Perry, this is the exact position I want my team to be in. If I'm going to be making trades, you always want to be operating from a position of strength and adding when things are going good and not trying to backfill or add to plug leaks in a sinking ship. Because right now that's not what the Angels feel like. And if they, you know, can improve a roster that's already proven, you know, they can, you know, operate eight to ten games above five hundred, that's, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing a general manager wants to do to their team. They don't want to have to save their team. They want to keep building something great that their team, you know, has already started. I think we talked about it like last time on, which was if they were to get to a, a, a situation, I thought the worst case scenario for the Angels was not to be like 10 games out. It was to be like three to five games out because then you're, like you just said, you're operating from a, well, what do we do here situation? Are you going to sell? Are you going to sell some? Are you going to keep Otani just for the, you know, just for the fun of it? Are you going to, you know, what do you do? Like, how do you maneuver a, a situation where you're not likely to be in a playoff position, but right. still have a shot at it? And do you, do you go all in and just, like, see that failure happen? Because if you're in a spot and you add, it stands to reason that you're going to have a really good chance to make the playoffs. And if you don't, then that's this whole other disaster you deal with when you get there. But at least you feel like you're in a position where, hey, I feel confident making these moves because how often do you get a chance to just, just F and go for it? And I think that's, you know, we're, we're, we're about a month away from that. Uh, not a month away from that, rather. We're probably about, you know, about, I guess, five, six weeks away from that. But, you know, about 30-some-odd games. Um, you know, yeah. As a, as a baseball fan, I so badly want the Angels to basically be in the same position they are now a month from now because I think they're the most intriguing team, or at least one of the most intriguing teams at the trade deadline. And the rest of the baseball world thought that would be the case because you know, will they or won't they trade Otani? Well, it seems pretty obvious they won't. But now it's really going to be a measure of just how desperate are they 
to bolster this roster and make it as good as it can be, whether it's a last-ditch effort to appeal and appease Otani or it's just really to just try to win as many dang games they can this year. Yeah, and I think desperate's a good word, and it's a good word to describe the Angels front office, kind of how they've operated this year. I think there's been some de- desperation. I mean, there's no there's no other explanation for calling up, like, half of the Rocket City Trash Pandas roster. You know, you don't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Like, you don't do that unless you're desperate. And and to their credit, man, these guys are playing like big leaguers. Like, Zach Neto is... I thought he was on a kind of on an inside track here for Rookie of the Year. I mean, this guy was... You know, he's playing at an extremely high level defensively, and he was hitting like, you know, he's getting like, he was starting to find some power. He had like three home runs in his last two games, uh, two or three games before he got hurt. So, man, it's that's a tough injury, and you feel for him. And the Angels have had a couple of those, like Logan O'Hoppy, man. Like, you have these two guys mm-hmm. who were going to, you know, potentially compete for rookie of the year, and then all of a sudden, here you are, uh, you know, they're on the shelf and you're, you know, you're, you know, they're, they got the angels owe a lot. I got to give a shout out to, to uh, Chad Wallach and Matt Thice, who neither of them had proven they were capable of playing at a high level in the major leagues. Neither of them even close. And man, they have been really good. Like that cannot go, that cannot go like unnoticed because they're a big part of, you know, as we've talked about when you're, when you have Mike Trout not playing well, like, and you're still winning games, like it's gonna come from some guys you're not expecting. Like those guys, Trad Wallach, Mike, uh, Matt Dice. Like man, that's that's those guys have been lifesavers. Like I think Mickey Moniak has like has like a higher WAR than Mike Trout even maybe. I mean he's just and that's not a, you know that's not to Mike. I mean it's just like Mickey right. Moniak's been hitting like these these like I think he's got six homers and like five of them at least of like giving the Angels the lead like late in the game. Right, it's the story of a guy yeah. stepping up. Yeah, this guy's and and it's like you gotta put him in the lineup. And I, I mean, I think that's why Hunter Infra has probably been working at it first the last few days. Uh, I mean, like, first off, I mean, Jared Walsh has really struggled. Uh, I think there's, you know, he, you know, I don't know what they're going to do to kind of get him back to the point where he's like a really, you know, competent, good major league hitter. And he seems like he's maybe showing some signs of that the last few days. Would love to see. I mean, again, same with Mike, same with Jared. I mean, you got to get out of playing the Royals to get a real barometer of how you're going to perform. Uh, but, you know, I mean, these weren't, it's not like they were facing bad pitching i mean laurel's have an okay bullpen right. and i think and you know zach Rinke was a starter today so you know there's, right there's... sorry i was just yeah. gonna say you mentioned you mentioned trout struggles and i wanted to ask you since you wrote a story about it what do what did you kind of learn from him and his struggles about you know maybe just what goes into a slump in the major leagues but also specific to him um you know what did you kind of take away from reporting that story i mean the thing with mike is for i mean he kept talking about his like front side flying open and then i saw today he said in the orange county register that it was something about like his his kind of when his foot was coming down it was timing i mean listen i think with mike the big thing is is going to be like can he catch up to fastballs because the numbers over the course of now uh, you know a season and a half really are that he's swinging and missing a lot more at fastball so it's like i think that you can make mechanical adjustments that he's obviously alluding to uh, needing to make, and I think you'll see a much better version of Mike. But the question is, can he like? What made him so good was that I think pitchers were like just terrified to face him a lot of the times. He'd walk a ton, and mm-hmm. I think the difference is now you're seeing pitchers not necessarily afraid to attack him with their fastball. So right. that's that's a problem, right? Like you know, obviously he's he's come around. I mean, he had a he turned around a hundred mile an hour fastball from Aroldis Chapman yesterday and you know he seems like he's he's doing better on that but the whiff rate over the course of a long period of time i mean a hit here and there is not going to necessarily change that narrative i mean you know it's not going to make pitchers be afraid to come after you so you need to kind of show that you can make contact a significant amount of the time and 
you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that's that's the big question with him, I think, is is catching up to the fastball, especially the high fastball. I mean, he's always been known as someone that could struggle with high, against high fastballs, but it just seems like everything over a certain mile an hour recently has been kind of hard for him to hit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, he's signed through 2030. You know, you don't want to see this type of regression. Uh, but again, I, I just... Think, it's 2023, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and he's making a lot. I mean, but listen, Mike's earned that. I, in my opinion, you, you know, you, you earn that. You, you earn having a bad few years. I mean, it's like who's mad at Miguel Cabrera right now? I mean, nobody's like you. You earn having that, those bad few years because you know you want to be an angel for life. You want to be able to sign that type of contract. And, and I mean, I, I don't think Trey Turner is going to be a speed demon when he's like 41 in the last year of his deal with the Phillies. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Is struggling to hit high velocity fastballs as a major leaguer, is that the same kind of wake up call you get as a, you know, uh, however old you are when you wake up, when you get out of bed and you have like back pain? Is that like a similar like, oh, man, I'm I guess I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm not what I once was. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't I. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder, I mean, listen, with Mike, he literally had that last year, right? Like, he got, literally was on the IL for, like, six weeks with, with a back issue. So, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's probably a, probably a fair comp. I mean, I, I think with everything with Mike, like, you just, you don't, like, I don't want to be like, listen, he's, he's regressing. Like, I don't think that's fair to him, and I don't think that's fair to, like, you know, assume, because it's, it just might not, it's like, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I right. do think he's got to evolve, because clearly like he's not going to be coming on fastballs like that same way as he was because there's just enough data to support that like it's there's just enough data to say hey he's just he's swinging and missing more at these pitches than he was uh, Mm -hmm. over the course of a longer period of time so it's it's i wouldn't say there's a regression i think he's a different hitter and i think that it's it's it you know it's something that's going to be important but again like everything else this year you can't think about 2030. You can't think about the years that you, this is all about this season. We've talked about that plenty of times. And, you know, if he can contribute to that this year, I don't think anything else matters. Right. And to your point, you know, that we mentioned earlier, the Angels showing an inability to win with, or especially without drought, that kind of says everything. I mean, when I, when the Giants won 107 games a couple years ago, the craziest stat and takeaway for me was the fact that when games Buster po- when Buster Posey did not play and his backup catcher Kirk Casale played, the team was like twenty one and four. I mean, they were virtually undefeated without him in the lineup, which was absolutely the most telling thing about the state of the roster. That like they just had a winning foot. Like the roster was just good enough and deep enough to just beat whoever they needed to beat with or without their best and player. And like, you, depth is so important. It's such a buzzword, right. but like, it is like, it's the end of the beginning and end of it. I mean, God, there's so many guys that, and, and the thing about it is like, I think a lot of the depth on this team is like not guys you would have expected to be their depth. So it's just, they're, they're kind of coming on. It's, it's, it's been cool to see. I mean, they're finally, they're finally a competent team. I mean, right. God. So right. That, it's just like, you know, how can you minimize what you're losing in the lineup when you're not playing your starters. And, you know, yeah, depth is about the least sexy baseball topic there is, but you're not going to last 162 games and end up in the playoffs if you don't have it. Yeah. No, I mean, and the thing is, like, there were plenty of guys this year that have underperformed. I mean, Tyler Anderson's like, you know, I think that's a, you know, that's a concerning signing. He's obviously not been very good, uh, and you got three years of him. And, you know, it's like, 
I, I think you lost a draft pick, you know, you lose international signing bonus money. I mean, this was not a good signing. That's not played out well. Um, but, you know, you have people that have kind of picked him up. Like Jaime Berea has been like a really good starting pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you have people that have come on and it's just, okay, like, fine, you're good now. Like Griffin Canning. I don't think, you know, who would have thought Griffin Canning, this guy who didn't pitch since the middle of 21, was going to be good. You couldn't, you certainly couldn't rely on that. You know, I right. think you could hope for that. You could pray that he's going to come back and be, a, you know, a good pitcher. But, man, he's been, like, pretty pretty lights out. You know, not been elite, but certainly one of their best starters. In the, in the year where Otani hasn't been as great a pitcher as he was mm-hmm. last year. So there's just, it, it's just like there are certain things that are kind of balancing each other out where, you know, even some of the people you really thought you could rely on more than anyone. Like Patrick Sandoval, man, he's probably been their least reliable starter. Maybe Anderson. I mean, the starting rotation in general hasn't been very good. Reed Demers has been good the right. last two times out, but not having a good year. Like, Right. Saved know. by a really solid bullpen. They've got, like, the sixth best ERA in baseball. They're, like, a full half run better than they were last year, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot to the average person, but, like, over the aggregate of a whole season, that's huge. Yeah. No, it is. It's absolutely huge. So, I mean, it's, uh, huh, man, who would have thought? Who would have thought this would be the conversation we'd have? Well, they're about to get tested by their, uh, you know, quote, Crosstown rivals, a couple games coming up against the Dodgers. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned this before we started recording. They kind of have a little bit of an on-ramp here with games against the struggling Rockies and the White Sox. That's seven games right there before they play the Diamondbacks, who have been playing really well. And then uh, a short little SoCal road trip to uh, San Diego and then to play the Dodgers again. So they have an opportunity here, as I they want to say. Do. I got I to gotta blame everybody. I got I to gotta tell everybody that I'm blaming Connor Grossman for not letting me cover the second half of this uh freeway series this year it's uh oh yeah 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 july 7th july 8th we got to be up in northern california for um for a wedding so if the angels play a game that you didn't cover did it really happen i don't know certainly i mean i actually have to thank you because i really i don't like going to dodger stadium it's just it's like hell hell what do you appreciate the the charm and the atmosphere of dodger stadium but you know dread the logistics of it or what yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's it's like when you're inside and you're like sitting up there and watching the game, it's like nice. But yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to divorce that from knowing this the pain and misery that went into actively getting into that ballpark and uh, knowing what will, you know, is ahead of you once the this game ends. <laughs> just it's just I don't know why people how people go to these games. It's like you must really love the Dodgers. And it's not an insult to the Dodgers that it's ballpark it's fine. It's just you know, Would you prefer stuff. 162 games at the Big A? 162 games at the Big A? Yeah, that's yeah, no road games, all Big A. No, no, I like going on the road. Just don't like going to Los Angeles. Because no matter what anybody says, the Angels are not in Los Angeles, but I do prefer going to games in Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm an Angel fan, I have to like uh my team's odds against the Rockies and the White Sox because uh you know, playing the Royals, you're right, it's not a great measuring stick, but, uh, you know, they did what they needed to do in winning the series, you know, not to mention what they did the series before against the Rangers. That was a good measuring that stick. Was, uh, that was the series of the season, man. That was beating the Rangers 3-4 out of four on the road in, in that environment. That know, crazy was, game one, too. Man, oh, the games themselves, I mean, even the last game, man, they, like, that's like Jacob Webb. This guy's, like, not even warmed up. He comes in, bases loaded, nobody out. I mean, there's this miscommunication. That is disaster all over it. And he gets out of it with the win and with this, or with the save, rather. This guy, I mean, Jacob Webb, who hadn't pitched in the big leagues since 2021. I mean, it's just, you're finding guys. Like, Chris Davinsky is their, like, is borderline all-star. 
this guy minor league deal was didn't even make the team until the middle of the season. So uh, just you know they're getting performances from guys that are are like you just Perry has to be like oh my god thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My God, thank you so much. And right, is he like thank you signing. in their lockers before the game? Is yeah, I mean, it's, it's credit to him because, you know, I mean, you signed Chris DeVitt. I mean, I don't know how much they're kind of like, you know, know what they're getting in some of these guys or if it's just kind of like you signed the right veterans on minor league deals. I mean, like, listen, like you talked about that Giants team. How often, like, how many guys did they sign that year to, like, minor league deals or to, or like, just to put in the rotation that, that ended up just kind of being good? Yeah, yeah, no, it was like a 107-win team that still managed to, you know, debut like a total of like 60 players. Not debut, but, you know, played over the course of the yeah. season, like almost like more than two full rosters worth of players. But it just turned into like, you know, a factory of, you know, the factory of quality baseball players just constantly being put out. And whether you expected it or not, it didn't matter. Yeah, um, that's kind of what the feel is like here. The Angels are starting to pile up you know, those types of uh, wins in their, at least, you know, player development, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I really got to say winning, I mean, it, it shouldn't feel like winning a, a, you know, Sunday game in Kansas City is as important as it was. But man, I mean, after the way they lost on Saturday, I think the vibes were really kind of hinging on, not I don't know how important vibes are, but, you know, I, I do think that there is something to be said about baseball momentum, just kind of how you play over the course of a period of time. And if they were to have lost a game after that, the way that they lost on Saturday... I think this whole conversation would be a lot different. I think the feeling around this team would be a lot different. But, man, you win, you win this game. That was a big one for them. And like you said, the schedule is, you know, I think it's favorable because not, I mean, the Dodgers are tough are a tough team, but they're really slumping right now coming off of a horrible sweep against your uh, your uh, yeah. Giants. And, and they also get the two off days this week, um, this kind of sandwiched around those those two games. So it's, um, they needed that. They yeah. needed it. Pressy Savadiso, yeah. man, they needed that. Yeah, and I mean, in that first game against the Dodgers, they're facing Kershaw. So, you know, what do they say? Momentum is your uh, next day, as good as your next day's starting pitcher. Yeah. Well, uh, momentum's going to face a harsh reality on Tuesday when they're going up against Kershaw. But, um, yeah, the Dodgers, you know, they lost 15 nothing on Saturday and then followed that up with, you know, only scoring two runs and uh, getting swept by the Giants. So Angels are stock up right now, and Dodgers... Uh, not the Dodgers, I think, have a worse record than the Angels. Huh, what do you think of that? Wow, <laughs> that's something. Yeah, what if we told you on opening day that on June 18th, the Angels would have a better record than the Dodgers? Now, what who's in you, Los Angeles, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would you think the Angels' record would be on June 18th if I told you on opening day they'd have a better record than the Dodgers? Wow, would that's you think a really the Angels question. were like, you know, I don't know, 60 and 15? I mean, I think coming into this year, the Dodgers were, you know. I think everybody probably knew they weren't going to be like the, the level that they have been the last couple of years, just because they didn't really have have that, you know. Yeah, when you set the bar at 110 wins, that's you know you got to jump really really high to catch that. Yeah, I might have said that. Uh, I probably would have guessed around what it is to be honest with you, because I think that you could have predicted that the the Dodgers would be slightly above 500 or decent, you know, but like not necessarily at the level where they were, you know, the last few seasons of just kind of being untouchable and and you know a juggernaut uh, right well to add a third level to this what if i told you opening day that on june 18th the angels would have a better record than the dodgers but a worse record than the texas rangers i'd really twist your brain into a pretzel yeah that would be interesting what if or if you were if you were to tell me on, Ju- on july on june 18th that the angels had a better record than not only the dodgers but also the astros and the yankees then i would think they were like 25 games up so you know the <laughs> 
because <laughs> I didn't think the I mean the Astros have definitely fallen off a little bit, but I mean I, it, it, nobody knew that their pitching, the starting pitching, was kind of going to get the hits that that they took. Um, it's a uh, yeah right. But all of this just further underscores that obviously there's still a ton of story to write about this season. But um, you know, it also it, it makes it fun and also a little ridiculous to study the standings here in mid June. They definitely mean something, but you know. It's hard to believe that, you know, the Angels will continue to outpace the Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros. Those three teams have been in the championship series virtually every year for the last, like, seven years. I want to ask you as a bonus question, because I, yeah. I was just thinking of this. What, which team that's not currently in a playoff position is going to make the playoffs this year? I want to hear your prediction on that. Not currently in a playoff position that's going to make the playoffs. <sighs> Well, I feel like the cheat code there is to really look at the wild card standings. Unless you're looking at one of the central divisions, which are both just completely abysmal. Um, I'm not going to pick the Cardinals. That's what I'm going to say to avoid a little more dead air. I know I'm not picking the Cardinals. Cardinals, stick a fork in them. See you later. Dead to me. I would like, you know, I'm going to go with the Mariners. I don't know how. I don't know why. They're sitting at 500 right now. Um, but, man, they have such a steep mountain to climb. An American League team was not the correct answer to this question because it yeah. is so hard to yeah, imagine. They're, they're only three games out of the third wild card, so it's, you know. It's, I know, but it is a total traffic jam, those AL uh, playoff standings, it given is. that the whole East is, you know, at 500 or above. I really uh, or do. Above 500 I, mean, I mean, listen, this is, they're not like – the, the the Mariners are not like that far behind the Angels or the Astros, so I do think that there will only be two teams from that AL West to make the playoffs. But why, you know, it could be the Mariners. I don't. There's no. I mean, they're they're definitely. Hey, their offense has not nearly been nearly as good, um, as hoped. Right. But I mean, it's it's they went on this. They were kind of around this point last year before they won like I think 15 games in a row. So it's not saying that's gonna happen again. But you know, it's it just shows you like who, who the hell knows what will happen. Um, right. And it's like, sorry to just pile on a little bit more, but like, I'm not going to pick the Cardinals. And like, the Reds are like the hottest team in baseball right now. Thing. Somehow, couple teams. Oh, sorry. Did I steal your thunder there? Well, that was, I mean, there's so many interesting options. Like, you could say the, the Padres theoretically should make the playoffs. I mean, come on. The, the Padres, they spent right, all the The Padres money. are a sane answer there. The Reds yeah. feel like an insane answer here. Yeah. This is, it's the definition of like buying a stock at its peak right now would be picking the Reds to make the playoffs. I'd love to say the Mets, by the way. I really would, but I mean, come on. <laughs> Talk uh, about yeah, they're in fourth place right there. They're 12 and a half games back of the Braves right well, now. They're five and a half out of the wild card, which is kind of equals where the Cubbies are. Um, the Pirates are, you know, lost six in a row, so they're not as their shine's kind of wearing off. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Reds just because uh, they oh kind of have. They know they have. <laughs> I, as I said a moment ago, next time we podcast, they could easily be seven under five hundred, back where they belong. Vibes. And you're wonder why vibes. you ever thought. I pick based on vibes. You could also pick the Blue Jays. Very sane answer. The Red Sox, sane answer. Even the Guardians. Why don't they? Get, that's a sane answer. I'm going insane. I'm going Cincinnati Reds are going to win their uh, win their division. Wow, wow! Get your tickets now. Angels, Reds, And the only reason I'm picking the Reds is because the Marlins are in a playoff spot right now. I would love to pick the Marlins, you know, but can't do that. How about the Marlins? Ten games over 500. I know. I know. Isn't that wild? At what point are you going to have to look at the standings? And maybe I should be asking myself this. Like, I think it's going to have to be, like, August 15th or something when I look at the standings, see the Marlins up there, and finally take them seriously. Because until then, 
I'm not buying it. They have a minus 24 run differential. <laughs> That's, oh, it seems almost impossible to be 10 games over 500 with a negative run differential. I think they have like, I think they've won like every single, like one run game they played this year. Um, but I mean, this, this is a really fun year. I mean, there's just a lot of teams that are kind of, are, are overperforming, a lot of teams that are underperforming. You pick the it's, White, it's, White Sox as a team that could make the playoffs still, I think. Um, um, this is like one of those transition years, you know, like I mentioned with the Dodgers, Astros, and Yankees being, you know, interchangeable in their individual championship series in their respective leagues. Like, this feels like a changing of the guard kind of year that when you zoom out 10 years from now and see, like, you know, what the who the successful teams are for the next five years this kind of seems like a year where like some new faces emerge and maybe it's the reds maybe it's the marlins like you know the orioles are a good example of a team that is you know perhaps primed to go on a several year run of winning baseball winning teams like this year feels like it's a transition like i totally i love horses are being passed right now i love that point i agree with that and i think that's kind of what's made that's why i like that the expanded standings and or playoffs rather and you kind of get a chance to maybe get an extra team here, and you know, it's just it's 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 total chaos. I mean, there's obviously some really bad teams. I think it's kind of crazy that the most talked about team in baseball is probably the 19 and 55 A's. Um, shout out to them for their seven game winning streak. That was really fun, and and you know, shout out to them for getting fans in the ballpark and having that night. I thought that was really awesome. Um, you know, we, right. we obviously have talked about the A's before, and you know what's what their fan base is dealing with and how kind of tragic it is, but. Yeah, obviously they're on a good team, and the Royals obviously a horrible team too. But somehow we're able to to sneak a win. From hey, if you want to get excited so. about you know the Angels being in playoff position and maybe it coming down to the wire, you can have hope knowing that the last three games of the year are at the Big A against the Oakland A's. If you're within three games of a playoff spot, you gotta like your odds. I think they get them, I think they get them six times in September. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, those are some low-hanging wins. Yeah. Low-hanging wins. Yeah, they, they, they sure are. Um, I think we're going to – oh, before we go, I did want to give a, a kind of just a, a note or I don't want to say shout-out, but, you know, uh, The Athletic uh, put made some cutbacks uh, last week, and, um, you know, they let go of uh, several of my colleagues. So, you know, I just wanted to give them – put their names out there. And, uh, yeah, we got James Fegan, Rob Beer Temple, Corey Brock, who I saw quite a bit on this beat. Obviously, he covered the Mariners and was always such a good person to be around. Nick Roke, Zach Buchanan, and Dan Connolly, um, you know, they cover various teams and beats uh, for us. And it's just, it's it's really sad what happened. Um, it hurts, but, um, you know, I hope they all land on their feet soon. So, Sorry to sorry to end this kind of on a down note, but I did want to use this platform to at least you know put their names out there, um, and uh, yeah, uh, we on that note, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode, much more upbeat po- uh, pod this week, and uh, if you did enjoy it, please go uh, like and subscribe and leave comments and tell us how much you love the uh, love the pod because that that really helps us. It really really does help us. So um, please do that and. Um, and if you hate it, you know, feel free to do it anyway. But, you know, just know that we'll be sad. And, uh, yeah. For the record, it. for the record, I don't think you can like podcasts. I think you can just rate them. Like, rate us however you feel is appropriate. And we you appreciate can, your if feedback. If you like it, you like it. Oh, man, what God. Um, just like the podcast, subscribe to it, and, and say rate it five stars. Or anywhere between one to five stars. But I'm not sure it lets you rate it one star. So just do five. Um, 
And on that note, it's been great seeing everyone. And hopefully in two weeks, it's uh, still, you know, still an upbeat pod. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll, we might actually be recording next week from today. So who knows? We record when we record. And we'll see you soon. And thanks for listening. Take care.